We are off and running. Start your Sunday. KCOU 88.1 FM. The first start your Sunday after football season. Harrison Vapnik, co-host Garrett Pave, joined today by Elliot Skillings, a KCOU free agent, contributor of the station. Elliot, welcome in. Thank you guys for having me. Yep, uh, we're going to be talking Super Bowl, we're going to be talking NFL offseason, we're going to be a lot to talk about today. But let's start with, I guess, the big game from last week, Super Bowl 55 to Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers win their second Super Bowl in franchise history, I know it's seven days ago, but we got a lot to talk about. Tom Brady, fourth Super Bowl, fifth Super Bowl MVP, along with his seventh Super Bowl win. 31-9, Bucks win, Tom Brady, 21 of 29, 201 yards. Three touchdowns, no picks, actors one time. Playoff Lenny, Leonard Fournette, 16 carries, 89 yards, rushing, and a touchdown. Leading receiver for Tampa Bay, like we all thought, Rob Gronkowski, six catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns. I'm going to start with Garrett. Garrett, what did you see from that Tampa Bay offense last week that helped them win the Super Bowl? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, this game was a straight beatdown. It was. From the beginning, it was all Tampa Bay. And first of all, I want to say, uh, if you're doing any sports betting and you're betting on games, I'm not your guy. I went 0 for 2 in the divisional in the uh, conference championships. I went 0 for 1 in the Super Bowl, so I'm not your guy. But no, this was a great game for Tampa Bay. I thought from the beginning you saw them set the pace. Uh, Tom Brady, not his most you know high flying of stat game, but I mean efficiency. Harris and I were talking before the show. Efficiency is the name of the game for Tom Brady. He's never going to throw 400 yards, beat through the air 40 times a game. He's just very efficient, and we saw that. And I think he got a lot of help from a guy like Rob Gronkowski, who we thought. You know, if he's going to have a big game for them to win the Super Bowl, and he did, two touchdowns. When's the last time we've seen Gronkowski catch two touchdown passes? It's yeah, been a long time. It's been time. since one of his final years in New England that Gronk had a big game like that. Elliot, you are a San Francisco 49ers fan originally from the Bay Area. You saw your team fall victim to these Kansas City Chiefs last year in the Super Bowl. And I think the difference was the offense. It was a San Francisco offense. I was a little inconsistent last year, kind of fell apart in the second half of that Super Bowl. Tampa Bay did not do that this year. What do you see from their offense from start to finish in this game? Well, from Tampa Bay, they were so methodical from the beginning of the game all the way until late in the fourth quarter, which is what the Niners weren't able to do last year, obviously. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with Tom Brady, his leadership ability and how experienced he is in these big games where he knows not to let the, ga- the foot off the gas pedal at all throughout the game. Um, and like I said, they were methodical. They were able to run the ball. They meshed it with the play-action passing game, which is a big reason why Gronk was able to get open, especially on those play-action passes deep across the field. Um, and let's give a lot of credit to Leonard Fournette, who yep. stepped up big throughout the playoffs, uh, and especially in this game. The Chiefs defenders, they didn't want to tackle him. It might have been Leonard Fournette who said this after the game, that their coaches were talking about, or it was Tom Brady who was talking mm-hmm. about how Chiefs – Chiefs DBs especially, they don't want to yeah. tackle. So no if you just run as hard as you can every single play, they'll get tired yeah. and they won't want to tackle you anymore. And that's kind of what happened. You know, a steady dose of Leonard Fournette mixed with the play-action pass game. The Chiefs were the def- their defense was wiped out by the end of that yep. game with how methodical they were being. Yeah, I agree. I think Leonard Fournette was really a big key in this game. Harrison talked about this before the Super Bowl. Playoff Lenny. He was going to be a big key if Tampa Bay was going to win this game because both of these teams have struggled in the run game as of recently. So it was which team could establish the ground game first, and Tampa Bay did that from the beginning. And Leonard Fournette, again, 89 yards on the ground. But I don't even think it was that 89 yards that was impressive to me. It was the 46 receiving yards. We needed to see someone step up in the receiving game for Tampa Bay if they were going to win this game. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 
eh, they were fine. I was about to get to that because yeah. if I told you last Sunday morning that Mike Evans was going to catch one pass and Chris Godwin was going to catch two passes, what would you think would have happened in this oh, game? Oh, I would have said you're crazy. I would have said Kansas City comes in and beats this team by 20 points. But they didn't. And like I said, it's the emerging rise of Gronkowski and Fournette to step up and make plays in the need to. Cameron Brait, too, another guy. I mean, three catches, yep. 26 yards. It's not and flashy. The, one of the big plays early on, there was a screen pass that yes. they used to run in New England all the time. The play action, the tight end screen, yep. got him down, got him downfield wide open. Antonio Brown, we <laughs> talked about as one of our X Factors last week. Five catches, 22 yards, a big comeback route yep. uh, that set up that first touchdown drive and the third touchdown in the first half, at, right at the end of the half. Uh, I'll go to Elliot. Elliot, what did you see from Antonio Brown in his first Super Bowl since his rookie year? I don't know. I was happy when he <laughs> when he ran. First of all, the, the great comeback route. I think it was on third down where he's able to convert. Yeah, I think it was second down, yeah. and that really started kept the momentum going for the for the for the Buccaneers. And then the touchdown. I felt so good. Angry. Like I don't like Antonio Brown personally, but it felt really good for me to see a guy who was kind of kicked to the curb and probably deservedly so. Mm. But he's able to turn it around this year um, and, and come back and make a big play in the Super Bowl and. You know, like if a year ago, if you're going to tell me that Antonio Brown would one be a Super Bowl champion and two play a pretty big role in securing that Super Bowl championship, I would have thought there'd be no way. I don't think anybody thought would there would be any way no, one year ago Antonio Brown would not be at all five passes in a Super Bowl. No, and and I mean honestly, I thought it would be more likely he'd be in jail than be in the Super Bowl <laughs> this time. But you know, it, it was it was pretty awesome to see, and I wonder, and this might be jumping a little too far ahead. I wonder if he can succeed anywhere else other than under a Tom Brady we'll or, get to or that something like that. Because that's definitely a good question. Tony Brown is slated to be yeah. a free agent this offseason, along with Chris Godwin, a couple other Tampa Bay players on that offense. Let's talk, about Tampa, let's talk about the Chiefs' defense before we get to the other side of the ball. The Chiefs' defense had been pretty good this year. They had, I, in my opinion, a decent showing against the Browns. I think they only held them to what, 17 points in that game. Mm-hmm. Against Buffalo, I think we were all impressed with the way they were able to get the Josh Allen, force pressure, and a get some turnovers off them. In the regular season all year, they didn't really have any really, really bad games. Maybe you could point to like the Raiders game in Week 6, a couple other you know hints in there, but it was a pretty dominant defense this season that looked absolutely lost last Sunday. Garrett, thoughts on Steve Spagnola, Chris Jones, Teron Matthew, and that entire Chiefs defense? Yeah, I think, first of all, a lot of it was lack of discipline. We saw the penalties take a big toll in that first half. Tyron Matthew, I think towards the end of that second quarter, a strand of three penalties in a row. Yeah. Should a couple of them been called? Who knows? But still, you know, grabbing, tugging, pushing. You can't make that an excuse for no, a loss. No way. You can't. I mean, they, Regardless of how many flags were thrown, they would not have won this game. But I think a guy you got to talk about for Tampa Bay that stepped up, Tristan Wirfs was the highest-rated player in the Super Bowl. The entire Super Bowl was the highest-rated player. This guy's a rookie who came up big time. Harrison, I said he was, what, the third tackle taken the off the board? fourth tackle off the I board. I mean, it's incredible. He came in and just he started every game this year. Just an unbelievable player. But the Chiefs, I think what it really was, it's the lack of a pass rush. I mean, we know Tom Brady is not a mobile quarterback by any means. So when you collapse the pocket, make life difficult in there, he can't run out. He's not going to beat you with his legs. So I think the Chiefs, the lack of their pass rush got to them. And Brady, he had all the time in the world he needed. And when you give Brady time in the pocket, oh, boy. Well, the game plan early on, they were getting to Brady. They sacked him on the first third Mm -hmm. down of the game. They were loading the box, putting pressure. Tampa Bay adjusted to that quickly. They were bringing more tight ends, and they were playing a lot of two tight ends. That's 21 personnel. Blocking. What are you going to say? Yeah, no, I was going to say, too, I mean, you look at, I'm looking at the quarterback hit stats. The Chiefs hit Tom Brady twice. And one of them was on that first drive. It was. And the Buccaneers hit Mahomes 10 times. 
That was, that I was mean, the difference. It's, that's the difference. Elliot, I'm going to go to you. That Chiefs defense, pretty good all year. They had a stretch where they had the penalty on a punt that was a uh, a shanked punt, like a 29 yards. Mm-hmm. Then they had a interception. Tron Matthew picked off Brady, called back for defensive holding. Mm-hmm. And then from there, the penalties were on offsides in the field goal, pass interference at the end of the half. Not that you want to blame the refs for the reason the Chiefs lost this game, but do you think they had some kind of factor on the momentum that that defense had? Maybe a little bit in the first half. Like, like well, I mean, that's when a majority of those questionable calls occurred, but... If maybe if if let's say the holding penalty isn't called, the mm-hmm. Chiefs get the ball back and then they're rolling. But the more I think about that scenario, the more unlikely it is, just because of how dominant the Bucks' defense was throughout the game and how the the inability for the Chiefs to adjust at all throughout the game. I think it might have stayed closer for longer, but I I think as the game wore on, it would eventually sort of turn into the similar type of game that we saw on Sunday. Well, closer for longer is a crazy thing because there was zero point in the second half where Patrick Mahomes had the football knocked down two scores. That has never happened in his career. He did not take a snap. (laughs) I think after maybe the early second quarter where Patrick Mahomes had the ball knocked down two scores. Just an incredible defensive performance for Tampa. And let's segue that to the Tampa Bay defense. Garrett... We have been talking about this defense all year. If they could ever come together, they would have a great chance to win it. They never really figured it out. We At one point in week 10, I think it was, they played mm-hmm. New Orleans. We said this was a prove-it game for them. Then they were down 35 nothing at the half. And in the last month of the year, go back to the last four games of the regular season, the playoff game against Washington, which I didn't even think they were that great. No. The game against, who was it, the Saints, where they really stepped up. Yep. The Packers. And then this week, they progressively got better, and they won it. How do they do it? Yeah, well, give credit to the secondary. I think this secondary deserves a lot of credit. We That first game when they played in the regular season, we know Tyreek Hill, well, he was 273 yards receiving. He was held to 73 in this game. And, I mean, that was the key coming into this game. Is I said Tyreek Hill had to have over at least 100 yards if they were going to win this game, and they didn't get there. They had a really – Todd Bowles did a really, really good job with this game plan. But it's hard to talk about the defense without mentioning Devin White. This guy was all – over the field. 12 total tackles. He had a two tackle for loss and a pass defend. I think he's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. I think he's top five right now. The way he's played this postseason is phenomenal. But I think just the game plan, the way that they, you know, got this defense rolling, and they picked on those two offensive tackles. Was it Mike Reamers on the outside? Mike Reamers and... The guy, Andrew Wiley. Poor Reamers, man. They got a petition going to ban him from the NFL. He just, <laughs> he just got, I mean, they uh, took advantage of him, you know, in that first and second half. They really wore him down the second half. And Jason Pierre-Paul didn't register a sack, but it felt like he had five. I mean, this guy was back there the entire time. So give credit to Todd Bowles. I think it was a great game plan. They did a good job covering the guys they needed to cover. And, the you know, the front seven did a good job getting to Mahomes. Mahomes ran well, 497 it's yards. Been, it's been 11 minutes since that was the first mention of Patrick Mahomes in this game. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Bucks defense, Elliott, again, 49ers fan. Last year you saw mm-hmm. how dominant that defense was. The front four with, was it Bosa and DeForest Buckner yeah. and uh, Eric Solomon Armstead Thomas, and Eric D. Armstead. Ford. Yeah. So many great guys on the defensive line going up against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. The difference between last year's 49ers and this year's Buccaneers what do you see in those different in those games? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with Todd Bull's specific game plan and especially what he did 
from the first time they played the Chiefs to the second time they played the Chiefs. And that's where it really differentiated between the, the Robert Sala's game plan last year and, and the Todd Bowles game plan this year. Yep. What, what Todd Bowles did is he sat his defensive backs really deep. Especially, he played two high safeties the whole game, and they were at at least 15 yards mm-hmm. every play. Yep. Sometimes he'd bring like a nickel and sit him back there too, so you'd have three zones that were covered deep. And he did that because he knew that Andy Reid wanted to get the ball deep. He wanted to stretch the field vertically with Tyreek Hill. And that was his goal for the whole game. And because they were able to play the super high safety look the whole entire game, and the Chiefs really weren't able to adjust to that, they allowed the pass rush to get there. And what happens when you throw deep? You have to take deeper drops into the backfield. That gives more time for the D-line to come up. And when you have guys like Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, you bring a guy like Devin White or Levante David on the blitz, that's really tough to keep up. And the other thing is, in the AFC Championship, the Bills came with a similar-ish game plan. Mm-hmm. But what the Chiefs did, and this might have been because Mahomes was still dealing with that, that toe injury, like and I'm sure he was in the Super Bowl, but yeah. I think it was well, pretty. Well, he's to have offseason surgery. Yeah, on it, so yeah, yeah. I would assume it was still an issue. It, it, I'm sure it was a little bit better during the Super Bowl, but just based on the game plan they, they came out with. But in the in the AFC Championship, the Bills ran a similar kind of game plan, which is play really deep coverage, have three zones basically covered up the whole game, so Tyreek Hill can't run a deep over route and beat you deep. Nothing like that would happen. No, like two jet ship wasp or whatever that play is called. Yep. Like that wouldn't be able to happen. Elliot has nightmares of that and play call. The, <laughs> the fact that I'm able to remember it is, and I'm not even a Chiefs fan. It's yeah, it's not good. But um, what the the Chiefs did in that game was they ran a bunch of short passes. They they almost pulled out a Tom Brady game plan. Quick pass out to Tyreek Hill. Screens. Uh, a little screen to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Daryl Williams. Uh, get the ball underneath to Travis Kelsey on a little hitch route. And they just killed him with a bunch of paper, like death by a thousand paper cuts. Yeah. And they should have done it in this game, but something that that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy they just didn't pick up on, and and it it didn't change. And I talked earlier about how the Chiefs didn't make any adjustments throughout the game, mm-hmm. and that's why even if those penalties were called, I don't think it would have mattered. And that was the biggest adjustment they should have made. They should have kind of reined it in a little bit, but they never did. And then you get down, and you're almost forced to throw deep, and it's over at that point. Yeah. Yep, in that AFC Championship game you mentioned, Tyreek Hill had a huge game, nine catches, 172 yards, had a 71-yard, I think, drag that he ran it's all the crazy. way down the field. Yes, Kelsey had 13 catches, 118 yards. Those were really the only receivers who made plays in that game. So, you know, the game plan that Buffalo had didn't work, but kind of definitely improved on that because I think they have better personnel than Buffalo. Buffalo has yeah. a really good defense. Agreed. When you get to that defensive line, you talk about Shaq Barrett, who I really thought could have been the Super Bowl MVP of that game, and JPP and Vita Vea, whose return was huge. I don't mm-hmm. think they could have won the Super Bowl without him. No. And all those guys in that defensive He's line. Shaq Barrett said okay. to be a free agent. How much money do you think he should get this offseason? Shaq Barrett? Yeah. $100 million? He'll get a fat paycheck. Yeah. He will. But one thing, too, I want to mention, he's, these linebackers for Tampa Bay were phenomenal. I think one thing you mentioned, Elliot, I like this point, is, you know, you talk about them dropping three deep. It's hard when you drop three deep against the Buccaneers with the linebacker speed of Devin White and Levante David. I mean, two of my opinion, you watch them on field, two of the fastest linebackers Mm -hmm. in terms of going side to side laterally. It's tough. It's tough to play that short game. And we saw that. I mean, Tyreek Hill had seven receptions, 73 yards. It's unlike him to have that many touches and not have at least 100, 150 yards. So, that's a great point by you. I mean, it's give a lot of credit to what Todd Bowles did, but these linebackers, I mean, all Definitely. over the place. But, no, I think Shaq Barrett's going to get uh, – this guy's going to get – he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. And we can talk about how the Buccaneers crafted their roster. We talk about mm-hmm. on the offense, 
you know, free agency. Leonard Fournette, they signed as a free agent. Antonio Brown is a free agent. Gronkowski came out of retirement, and they traded for him for a fourth-round pick. They drafted Mike Evans. They drafted Chris Godwin. The offensive line, mix of draft picks and uh, free agents. And the quarterback, obviously, the greatest free agent signing in NFL history. But on the defensive side, Devin White drafted him. Shaq Barrett got him over from Denver. JPP was a Super Bowl champion. In with the Denver Broncos, or with the uh, New York Giants, that is. Antoine Winfield they drafted. Carlton Davis they drafted. Ndamukong Su came over as a free agent from Detroit, Miami, Detroit, L.A. Uh, He's been on yeah. so many different teams. He's been on a lot of teams. Uh, McClendon is a veteran. William Golston was been on the Buccaneers for the last five to six years. Levante David they drafted. It's a mix of, because usually you see these defenses that you draft everyone. This, it's about half, about half the guys are, are veterans who have, been with other teams, half the guys, you know, they, they're draft first-round picks, but you could see the Buccaneers invested a lot of first, second, and third-round picks on this defense. Is this the strategy going forward? I'm going to start with Garrett. Yeah, I mean, I think it is. I think this is, you know, it's a good culmination. You got some experience. You got some young guys. I think this defense, luckily for Tampa Bay, is mostly young guys. Um, I think one guy you mentioned who's going to be a star in this league is Antoine Winfield. Yeah. Threw up the peace sign late in that game. Did he was, he? was he a third round pick from Miami? He mistaken? was a second round. Yeah, pick. second round pick yeah. from Minnesota. Boy, how'd that guy not go in the first round? I know. I mean, Stunned. phenomenal player. No, I think it is. I think you got to look at, you know, how do you build a good defense? I think drafting it's it's really hard. it is. Let's be honest, it's hard to build a complete offense or defense from strictly drafting. It's it takes guys from around the league who have experience, you know, culminate them with some younger guys. I mean, Edom McIntyre mm-hmm. is a aged veteran who's a great player still. He still has a lot left yeah. in the tank for him. But, but I do think it's the strategy. But the thing with Sue, you know, he wasn't supposed to be the core of this defense. No. He was just a body. Because yeah. they had mm-hmm. so many guys like McClendon and Vitavea yeah. where they didn't need Tama Kong Sue to play no, 100% of the snaps. They needed him for 70% of the snaps yeah. or 60. Yeah. You know, they just needed him to get there in the plays they need. Go on. And he you know he had the most sacks in the Super Bowl. He had one and a half sacks. No one else had that. I mean, you're right. He's not expected to come in and be this guy who's – blowing the league away with his statistics, but he did on this defense. He thrived. And I think it just, again, goes back to what Todd Bowles has done, the way he rotates these guys, the way he gets them in the system. So, but no, I think back to your question, yeah, Harris, I think this is a strategy. I think, you you know, you're going to see a lot of teams that are going to draft these young guys, but you're going to bring in veterans to kind of groom them. I think that's what Washington, look at Washington with Ryan yeah. Kerrigan. Now he's, you know, totally. he's, he's been there almost all the time, but still, you bring in young guys, have these veterans. Well, now that you, you know, you know, I know you're a fan of the Washington football team. They got Chase Young now. They got Monta Sweat. Uh, Monta Sweat. A lot of guys like that. It could be heading yeah. somewhere. Uh, Elliot, now to you. Is this a strategy to build a Super Bowl defense? I think so. Um, and you, you said defense specifically? Yeah. Uh, I think so. I, I think, especially on defense, you can get away with a bunch of younger guys. I think mm-hmm. to transition outside the DB, to transition, like, say, on a D line or a linebacker is a little bit easier than, than most offensive positions, especially like a quarterback. So if you can get away with paying guys rookie contracts and having them play at a Pro Bowl level like the Buccaneers did, and then like uh, you guys are saying, you surround them with talent that is one already there, like your Levante Davids of the world, or uh, you guys you acquire in free agency like a Shaq Barrett or an Indomitian Sioux, uh, it has to be the winning formula. You have to have that good mixture of youth and experience, and that's – that's the, that's the right formula for winning in the NFL. So let's now, it's been a while. Let's talk about the Chiefs' offense. We kind of, we went, we hit the Bucks' offense, we hit the Bucks' defense, Chiefs' defense. Now let's start to talk about the Chiefs' offense, <laughs> which was by far of the four units on the field was the worst last Sunday. Just like how everybody thought the Chiefs wouldn't score a touchdown, <laughs> nine points. 
I think they're the first team to, well, the Rams didn't do it a couple years ago, but one of the few teams in Super Bowl history to not score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes had the fourth worst passer rating in the history of the 55 Super Bowls. He threw 26 of 49, 270 yards. He was sitting at like under 100 late in the third quarter. No touchdowns, two picks. They could never really establish the run. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, nine carries, 64 yards. Darrell Williams, just two carries. I thought he'd have a bigger game than he I did. Know. Yeah. Ty- Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 133 yards. A lot of that was in garbage time. Tyree Kill, one of the worst games of his season, seven for 73. Other than that, no one really stepped up. Simi Watkins had one catch. Marcus Robinson, one catch. Mikael Hardman, four receiving yards. Byron Pringle, three receiving yards. Garrett, start with you. Yeah. What happened to the Chiefs? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Harrison walking into the studio, you and I talked about this this morning. Patrick Mahomes, his youth is still showing in terms of Mahomes still has not learned to take what he's given by defense. I think that's where mm. Brady excels. Brady's willing to take a two-yard check down to let his guy get six or seven yards and then play it at second down and four. Mahomes wants that deep shot. Now, yeah. Grant, I know he's running for his life. The offensive line was not playing the way they should have been playing. But he forces way too much downfield. I'm shocked he didn't have three or four interceptions, quite honestly. Yeah. I mean, he's throwing it downfield. I get it. You want to make something happen, but... Look, I just think Mahomes is still learning the game. He's a great quarterback. I mean, he's going to go down, if he continues to play at the level he's playing at, as one of the best of all time. But right now, he's still young, and we saw that against a defense that really challenged him. I mean, they threw a lot at him, a lot of different looks, and he struggled. Uh, I think his receivers, too, that inability to really create separation was a big key. Actually, Kelsey had a pretty good game, 133 yards and 10 receptions. But the other guys, I mean, besides him and Hill – Sammy Watkins, one reception. DeMarcus Robinson, one reception. I mean, these guys just did not show up. But I think Mahomes, he's still got to learn. The deep shot is not the end-all, be-all. It's a lot like basketball teams, right? Some teams live and die by the three. The Chiefs live and die, in my opinion, by that deep ball. They are used to getting three or four deep balls a game. And when they didn't, they struggle. So, And that run game did not help them one bit. So I just think from the beginning to the end, it was a total collapse for this Chiefs offense that is historically known the past few years as being, you know, just this high-flying, yeah. crazy offense. Elliot, I'll go to you. Chiefs offense, the number one offense in the league this year. I think they scored more than 20 points in every game. They had the longest streak in NFL history of scoring, I think, 24 yeah. points. I think that got snapped at some point this season. But they were by far the most dominant offense in the league. Best quarterback, Patrick Holmes, third in the MVP voting. Tyreek Hill, all-first team. Travis Kelsey, all-first team receiver. And then they come out of the Super Bowl and lay an egg like this. What happened? Well, uh, I'll go back to, to Todd Bull's defensive game plan. Um, and I, when I was touching on that, I talked about how Andy Reid was a little bit stubborn and how he kind of refused to change up how he was calling the game. And I'm not going to blame the Chiefs' poor offensive performance on Andy Reid. I mean, it, it's more about how, what Todd Bowles did to them, right? Because that formula has worked. Like you said, in basically every game since Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs, of we're going to just wait for that deep shot to come. We're going to wait for it to come. We're going to wait for it to come. And Patrick Mahomes is smart enough a lot of times to take the smart play. And then it, it once you once he starts making those smart plays and then you go to sleep and the deep ball to Tiger Kill is wide open, then it's over with. But like I said, Todd Bowles had a great defensive game plan, keeping everybody deep, playing deep zone coverage. And then... Andy Reid wasn't able to to call up like call up a couple slants for Tyreek yeah. Hill, call up a, a like I said a five yard hitch to Travis Kelsey, and then in in the screen and running game, 
like you said, I don't get why Clyde Edwards Hilaire doesn't touch the ball more in the passing game. I think that was a bad draft pick. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna stay with the pick. It was an awful draft pick. Well, I, I they think, should have taken uh, an offensive lineman. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, in retrospect, especially because I, but I was saying when, that at the time when, when they drafted him, I thought mm. okay. Their offensive line is good enough, right? Because I didn't know Duvernay Tardif was going to opt out at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have like a game-changing running back. So I thought, okay, if you draft Clyde Edwards-Solaire, he's one of the best pass-catching running backs yep. that we've seen in, in a couple drafts, maybe since McCaffrey. And, and that, I would be like, that's a perfect fit. If you can't hit Tyreek Hill or uh, Demarcus Robinson or Travis Kelsey, you can just dump it off to Clyde Edwards-Solaire. He'll get you five, six yards. But they don't use him that way. No. But he he's a luxury for them. He wasn't. Yeah. If they were gonna, if, if the Chiefs were gonna hashtag run it back, it wasn't because of it wasn't gonna be because of Clyde Edwards-Helaire. It was because of them core guys on offense and the reason that football teams won games. It wasn't gonna be because they added an extra running back. And I think they drafted him even like months before Damian Williams even opted out. And Damian Williams was one of yeah, the best running backs in the fine. league last yeah. year. I. In retrospect, they, they definitely should have they taken... They used Damian Williams more than they used Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Yeah, and <laughs> like even the last couple of games, it was Darrell Williams. And late yeah. in the regular season, we were seeing Darwin Thompson in there. And, you know, yeah. interesting. Last thing before we hit our uh, first break... God, I almost forgot my question. Uh, last thing before we hit our first break, did the Buccaneers possibly expose a game plan to being the Chiefs in the future? I know Patrick Holmes wins like 10 career losses, all of them in shootout form, never by double digits until... Last week, is this a recipe now to beat the Chiefs long term? I, I do. I, I think it. I think a lot of teams are gonna look back at this. I mean, let's be honest. I think all of us in the studio agree the Chiefs are not going anywhere overnight. They're not falling off, and they're not gonna. I mean, they may not be this fourteen and two team every year, but they're not falling off to be one of the worst in the league. Um, so I do think a lot of teams will go back to this game and they'll look at the Bucks game plan. I think what the Buccaneers did a really good job of, and this is not even in terms of the gameplay. They got to the Chiefs in terms of their emotions. We saw towards the end of that second quarter, Tyron Matthews throwing his helmet, Tyreek Hill pushing his coach. I mean, it almost felt like in that instance, this game was over. The mm-hmm. Chiefs were mad. They were just panicking. Yeah. And I think that's really the, the key, too, other with Mahomes. I think Mahomes panicked a little bit in that second half. He didn't really have anybody yep. to go to. They're scrambling. So I think the Buccaneers did a really good job staying poised, getting in their head. And I think this game plan – this will go down as one of the better defensive game yeah. plans we've seen in Definitely. the Super Bowl. I think this can go down with the the 07 Giants against the Agreed. undefeated Patriots. Agreed. Like so, what we saw with the, the Denver against the Rams. Yep. The, yep. the Denver yep. Carolina Super Bowl stuff like that. Yep. Elliot, uh, is this a recipe to beat the Chiefs long term? Um, in the playoffs, when you start playing better teams who have better talent overall, especially on defense, yeah. But in the regular season, maybe every team. I don't know if there's a team in the NFL that has the defensive talent of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's what I was no. going to say. It, it doesn't. I, I think the Chiefs can get away with running the same game plan against basically every other team because every other team doesn't have one of the best linebacker teams in the NFL, one of the best defensive lines, one of the best young secondaries in the NFL. They don't have that mixture of great talent. It was the perfect storm. It was. It, it was. So you know, and not every team has a coordinator like Todd Bowles. So no. you know, I think. It's a little bit of an overreaction to say this is the recipe. The Chiefs, we figured them out because they could go 14 and 2 again next year. Agreed. Right? Running the same stuff. But once you hit the playoffs and teams have more, especially once you get to the Super Bowl and teams have more time to key in on you, and usually you're playing teams with better talent, then you got to say, okay, we got to try something different this time. Or at least we got to be ready in the case that 
teams will pull out this kind of stuff against us. Um, and I guess one comparison I can make would be the Rams in 2019 compared to 2018. I was talking yeah. about the Patriots game. The Rams um, were a 12 and 14 that regular season. Next year went nine, nine and seven, seven. missed the playoffs. And yeah. and maybe that could happen to them where like teams figure out because the Patriots they kind of they ran this like six. Well, Todd Gurley also like lost his knee. That's so. true too, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I mean that could happen. But I think Andy Reid is too smart of an offensive agree, mind, I and I think Patrick Mahomes, the talent, he's no Jared Goff, right? No, like no. their offense isn't their offense isn't mechanical like that. So I think they they can beat you in so many different ways. They'll be all right. I think I agree with you. I think it was a perfect storm, the perfect personnel for Tampa. Bay. They got them at the right time. We're gonna take our first break. We're gonna talk about where these teams go from here and a little more NFL offseason stuff. This is Start Your Sunday on KCU eighty eight point one FM. Hey, this is KCOU, 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center, and we can mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your Sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. Hey, Mizzou fans, did you know that Mizzou has the best fans in America? Well, it's true. We treat other teams as players and fans with respect. We carry ourselves with class and dignity. We cheer loudly for Mizzou, and we take pride in our choices. This public service announcement has been brought to you by the Wellness Resource Center, Craft Beer Cellar, and KCOU 88.1 FM. Hi, I'm Josh Bohm. I had the Josh Bohm Radio Fun Time program on KCOU from 2012 to 2016. I'm here to tell you to support KCOU. You'll make an old man in his 20s very happy. This is how we do every day. We be grinding. And if you want to come and test us, If you love them enough to turn off your music and pretend like their music is your music. Ah, uh, this is mommy's jam. Then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're in the right car seat. Let's play it again. Check today at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Act Council. And we are back. This is Start Your Sunday on KCAU 88.1 FM, the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. I'm Harrison Vatnik. Alongside Garrett Pave, alongside guest today from the San Francisco area, a current KCU contributor, KCU free agent, Elliot Skillings. Elliot, welcome in. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. It's uh, it's great to be here, having a lot of fun talking some sports with you guys, wrapping up the Super Bowl. It's been fun. Yep. Uh, let's wrap up our Super Bowl talk, kind of. I want to talk about where both these teams go from here because we talked about the Chiefs right before we hit the break about you know there's the team how you know. The, no one has really figured out their game plan yet, but possibly after this game. Do they need to reconstruct reconstruct their roster any different way 
than they have already. I'll start with you, Garrett. The Chiefs? Yeah. Um, I think it's obvious. you got to figure out that offensive line situation, in particular those offensive tackles. Because um, even if you do get a couple of those guys back, you still want to have some depth. I mean, we saw depth is an important thing in the NFL. And right now, if the Chiefs next year in the playoffs, same thing would have happened. You have your two tackles go down. You're going to have you know Mike Rimmers come in and the other guy. They're not in good shape. So I think the first thing you got to do is go out, and they have the 31st pick in the draft. So I think the first thing you got to do is either – if you want to take a shot on a young offensive tackle, great. If you want to pick up one in free agency, great. So I think that's the first order of action for the Chiefs. I think secondly would be get a few more guys on defense. I think defensively, they're still not where they need to be. I think Frank Clark's a good player. I think Chris Jones is a good player. But I think maybe get an elite pass rusher, or maybe not an elite pass rusher, maybe a veteran pass rusher. what? Oh, man, can you imagine? That would be scary. Yeah, get a guy like that who can come off the edge and make plays because I think that was, again, the difference in this game defensively for the Chiefs is, you know, when you can't get to Brady, when you can't make plays in the backfield, your momentum defensively shifts. So I think go out there, get an offensive tackle, get somebody on defense, and the running back situation is very interesting this offseason. You've got Clyde Edwards-Elier on your roster. Le'Veon Bell, I think he's this was he's a, a one-year deal. That's what I thought. Darrell Williams, Damian Williams. It's just, I, I don't, you know... So, so many questions to answer for them So right here now. are some of the Chiefs' free agents. Some of the notable ones, I think. So Sammy Watkins, Alex Okafor, Daniel Sorensen, Brashad Breeland, Damian Wilson, Demarcus Robinson, Austin Reitler, uh, Keshi Osemele, who was injured earlier this season with a knee injury, Anthony Sherman, uh, Daniel Kilgore, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Nick Kaiser, the backup tight end, Darrell Williams, um, Byron Pringle is a restricted free agent, uh, Andrew Wiley, Elliot, who do you think are some of those notable guys that they have to bring back next season? Uh, whoever and you then, mentioned. And then who do you think they should probably let walk away? Uh, I mean, you talk about whoever you mentioned on the offensive line. I heard Andrew Wiley. I yeah. think that has to be a priority. Um, and then on defense, Damian Wilson is an okay linebacker. I don't mm-hmm. know if you need to bring him back if there's a better option out there. But, I mean, if for depth, maybe he's probably a good backup linebacker. I'd keep him around. Um and then I wouldn't worry too much about Sammy Watkins, Demarcus Robinson, because you know you can get a tour, a good two or three receiver for pretty good money in free agency. I mean, bring them back if they're cheap enough. But you could either get a cheaper option in free agency that can do the job, or, or draft draft a guy in like the third or fourth round. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, but yeah, I'd really focus on the line and and the defense. I think you got to focus on defense. Um, I, I mean, you mentioned Anthony Sherman. I just bring that up because he was once like a key part of their offense with Alex Smith, and yeah, now they don't use him anymore. Yeah. And you know, maybe welcome they should the full, use him a little more. Welcome to fullbacks in 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I, they'll be uh, they'll be fine in free agency. I think their positions yeah. in need are, are positions that, or, or I guess, their positions that they need to re-sign in free agency. The free agency you mentioned are, are things you can replace pretty easily yeah. outside of offensive line. So. Um, yeah, I don't think it's a it's a huge concern yeah, for them. I actually think they should bring back Sammy Watkins. I think it's kind of he's a he's a wide receiver too. I don't care about Michael Hardman and those guys. They, Sammy Watkins is just important because he just kind of fits in that offense. He's not like yeah. a barn burner like Hill and uh, Hardman are, but he's he's a guy that gets open and creates space for some of the other guys. I think bringing back Daniel Sorensen is pretty important just because yeah. he's a good backup safety in that defense. They put him in, in nickel sometimes. They can put him all over the field. He had a big force fumble against Cleveland. I would have him around Damian Wilson for depth. Uh, and just it's about adding that offensive line with the 31st pick. I'm not sure which offensive linemen are going to be sitting around there at the end of the draft, but you know uh, we'll see what they do there. Get any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. I think the offensive tackle is the spot you got to fill right now. Um, 
And uh, you just look at the free agents. They're they're going to have some options this season. If they want to go out and grab themselves, I don't know, you mentioned Elliot, a linebacker, or maybe, I don't know, you get an offensive tackle in the free agency. They're going to have options this year. I think that's the you know the good part about the Chiefs is there's a lot of options they can go to. But there is a legitimate concern. I, I wouldn't even say this year, but going forward, they're loading their big-time players up with money. Yeah, they yeah. are. And that's a concern. I mean, I think you look back to the Seahawks a few years ago, the Legion of Boom, when they paid Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, so much money, right? Mm-hmm. And they and got they had a trade, trouble. And they had to trade their starting center, Max yep. Unger, and they tried making a splash for Jimmy Graham, and yep. something like that completely backfired, and they haven't been in the Super Bowl since. So that's the thing is, like, for the Chiefs, I mean, I, you, okay, you have to pay Mahomes. You can't not pay him. Yeah. I get that. But there is something to be said. You can get in a sticky situation when you're paying your top three, four guys massive major contracts, mm-hmm. and then when you're trying to sign – a wide receiver too, or a running back. You know, it's it gets tough. So, I think the Chiefs are fine for a couple of years, but I think this year there's a couple key spots you need to fill if they're going to go back to the Super Bowl next year. I really do. That's interesting because you bring up that Seattle team who won a Super Bowl against Peyton Manning. They blew yep. them out in that game. Then they come back the next year, lose a heartbreaker to Tom Brady, and then they really didn't know what to do with their roster from there nope. because you mentioned they traded their center Max Unger for Jimmy Grant that, because I think that was a bit of a desperate trade for them and they, yep. they haven't yeah. been in the Super Bowl since they've only I don't think they've even been to an NFC championship no, no. their defense eventually fell apart similar to you know what this possible Chiefs defense we could, could be looking at and the offense really they've been good but they've never been like Super Bowl caliber good Elliot what are your thoughts on that comparison I think it's a it's an interesting one I think there's some similarities there I mean you talk about the you, you win your first Super Bowl and you lose your second one to Brady two young quarterbacks that are kind of seen as uh, I mean, Russell Wilson at the time wasn't really seen as a, as a generational talent, but as like really good young quarterbacks, um, it's there. I think the one difference is the Chiefs' offensive line is better and set up better for the long run than than that Seahawks' offensive line. As you talk about the trade of Max Unger, that was probably the nail in the coffin for the Seahawks. That that era of well, the they Seahawks. made that trade a month and a half after losing the yeah. Super Bowl to New England. Yeah, and then it was kind of downhill from there but um yeah i I, though there are some similarities there i think the like i said the difference is the offensive line um and their offensive firepower just in general i think no matter who they have on offense their offense is is much better than that seahawks offense in those days um and it took till this year basically for seattle to kind of catch up to the modern nfl offense and even at the end there, they got really stagnant and it, it sputtered out for them. And I don't think that will happen with like an Eric Bieniemy or whoever Andy Reid has calling plays. Yeah, so. it's definitely really interesting to think about what you um, what the what you mentioned how the Seahawks went in a spiral after that Super Bowl and that offseason. They really haven't been back since. I saw a crazy stat that well, I was able to dive down a rabbit hole and figure out the quarterbacks who have lost the Super Bowl. And got back and won another one. That's name is not Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. You have to go back to John Elway back yeah. in the 80s, losing a Super Bowl and then getting back and winning another one. Yeah. The only quarterback I think that's gotten back and lost again was Kurt Warner, who was like nine years in between. Mm-hmm. It's very tough to lose a Super Bowl and get back. I think Patrick Holmes could be one of the first ones to do it. Let's talk about the uh, Bucks free agents for a second. Shaq Barrett supposed to be a free agent. He's going to have a high market value. Levante David is an unrestricted free agent. Gronkowski's a free agent. Nadama Kongsu, Steve McClendon. Uh, Joe Hague almost got a touchdown in that Super Bowl. <laughs> um, Leonard Fournette, who could be looking at some big money. Ryan Smith, one of their backup defensive backs. Antonio Brown, 33 years old. Garrett, priorities for this Bucks offense. And then how could they possibly get better <laughs> next season? Yeah, of course. I think, uh, in my opinion, I think the guy 
you want to lock up is Leonard Fournette. I do. I think Ronald Jones has been a good stepping back this year for Tampa Bay. I mean, he had a really good first half of that season. I was high on him the first half of the season. All my yep. fantasy stuff, I was all uh, yeah, about every, every week, Ronald Jones is one of our, <laughs> our stardoms. Within, the, I think, a f- four weeks in a row, Ronald Jones is on stardoms. <laughs> I'll tell you, we were big on Ronald Jones. But, no, I think uh, Fournette is a guy, you know, I, I think this postseason proved why he could deserve a contract. I think this Super Bowl solidified why he needs big money this year. I think the Buccaneers are going to lock him up. But, of course, it's hard to look at. You know, I think the Buccaneers right now have the pieces on offense to be good again next year. I do. Mm-hmm. I think they have a young offensive line. You got a quarterback who's still playing at a high level. You get Fournette back. You get receivers all over the field. Defense, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. Those are the guys that are crucial because they're going to want money and they're big names and teams are going to push for them. But I think Bruce Arians talks about his whole thing was what he didn't want to run him back. He wants to do it again or something. He's yeah. I don't I don't know some. He has some others saying the Chiefs did, but I think if he wants to do that and go back, this defense is the biggest part because yeah. we've talked about this whole show pretty much. It's been the Bucks defense, Todd Bowles, what they've done to be really good this year. So those two guys are kind of the quarterback of this defense. Get them back, go from there. But I think now I think on the offense, it's Fournette. He starts the whole thing. He's the center. Yeah. I- I wonder if an NFL team is going to throw a lot of money at Fournette. I think so. Because there's a big lot of running backs in this year's free agent class. I think Aaron Jones is definitely one of them. We yeah, mentioned yeah. Le'Veon Bell. A bunch of, bunch of others. James Conner, possibly. Well, and Fournette's so young. I mean, everybody yeah, forgets. He's 26 yeah. years old. This was like, his fifth year, I think. Cra- yeah, it was his rookie yeah. year with Jacksonville when they went to the AFC Championship. The two years between and then last two is his fifth year. That's yep. crazy. He's got mm-hmm. so he much got cut, And now he's like... He just finished his first contract in the league. It's <laughs> crazy. Elliot, who are some possible fits, you think? If he were to leave Tampa Bay, who do you think Ooh. would benefit from signing that's a, Leonard Fournette that's a really, on the spot? That's a really good question. Um, I'm trying to think of teams. Um, I mean, this is kind of a just throw it out there. Uh, if, if the Chiefs don't get back Le'Veon oh, no. Bell, which I don't okay. think they won't. No. I, I mean, if I, they really want to dedicate themselves to the running game, you could is Damian Williams coming back? I hope so. Okay. I don't, I don't it depends on if Fournette Damian Williams on comes Kansas back. City. But if you wanted to throw Leonard Fournette on Kansas City, their system matches his kind of running style. Um, I'm trying to think of teams who don't run that outside zone kind of system, and they are getting few and far between in today's NFL. And Leonard Fournette isn't that kind of running back. He's not a one cut and go kind of back. Um, so I mean, a team like. Nah, it wouldn't be that. Oh, that's that's tough. Maybe it seemed like the Lions. You could see the Lions. Yeah. If they would throw, I feel like if they were to overpay him, he might want to come. Um, I was going to say the Bears, but they have David Montgomery. He's a yeah. stud. He was um, one of like the top five leading rushers this yeah, year. Yeah, insane. Oh, insane. Insane, insane. So I don't, I just, in today's NFL, the market for running backs is so small because they're so replaceable. Agreed. And running, the running game in the NFL today is more about system than player. I, I, you know, I feel like he'd be better off coming back to Tampa Bay. So he might, he might actually get the most money from Tampa Bay. There were a couple teams I thought of. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my, one of my some of my bolder teams first. The Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Because that could be them. we yeah. see what Zeke did. <clears throat> Zeke was not a good running back this season. No. They had no depth behind him. They had Tony Pollard and then some other guys that who had no names. I could see them making a splash to him. The Eagles. The Eagles love having. I know. Well. Uh, oh, the Eagles. Uh, Doug Peterson is gone now. The name of the new head coach is. Leaving my head right now. Nick Sirianni. Nick Sirianni from the yeah. Indianapolis offensive coordinator there. I could see them maybe making a run him. Seattle, they had a lot of injuries at running backs the last two years with Chris Carson and mm-hmm. Rashad Penny hasn't been healthy since college. I could see them possibly making a run at Leonard Fournette. 
maybe a team like Pittsburgh. You can because they always could use some other running yeah. backs. James Conner gets hurt a lot. Yeah, and they have yeah, they, they drafted Anthony McFarlane. Maybe the Chargers because someone behind. I know Eckler's a free agent also. Yeah. yeah. If uh, there's so many teams that go after teams. him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe the New York Jets. You never know. They don't even have a running back in the roster. Yeah, they're, they're running that outside zone <laughs> though, you, so what? I don't know if that's he would true. Fit. Uh, Garrett, any other teams I'm forgetting? No, I mean I think you guys have covered the basis of my thing. You got to look to is the draft this year. I think it's not. I wouldn't say it's the strongest draft class for running backs, but um, you know, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne. You got a couple guys in there that could go. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think, you know, I think the Eagles would be one you look at for sure. I don't think it's you know the Jets are one that are spiraling. Spiraling. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, I think, I think you could argue that a lot of teams in the league could use a running back. Almost, I'd say, fifteen or twenty could use a running back. Do mm-hmm. they need one? Probably not, but they could use them. I think there's a few exceptions, but um, I, it's going to be. You want to talk about a wild free agency? This is going to be it. There's going to be so much just controversy and all this stuff moving around. It's going to be crazy. There's going to be big names going to a lot of big name teams. You mentioned Travis Etienne. I just want to continue to toot my horn on this. <laughs> we, I said this on Instagram Live moments after the national semifinal against Ohio State. I said this on the start of your Sunday of the day after Travis Etienne is a washed running back. Yep. I was talking about this with someone last night. <laughs> I'm completely doubling down on this take. Travis Etienne will not be like a good NFL running back because of how many hits he's taken in college and the injuries, and he should have gone in the league last year. And I'm now I'm seeing in mock drafts that he's falling down the board. I'm I just this is completely relevant to the point, but I just want to put it out there that Travis Etienne is washed and oh, I'd be shocked if he's a good more. I yeah. I wouldn't take a running back in the first two rounds. No. Well ever. talking about the running backs who've gone high in the last couple of years, we talked about Zeke and Leonard Fournette, yeah. who could possibly be on the same team next year. Clyde Edge in this year's draft. Josh Jacobs, who is probably the most successful running back. I McCaffrey, Chris, McCaffrey. And, yeah, and I forgot about And Camaro went. Did Camaro Camaro, go was the third a, round? Camaro was a third round pick, okay. I believe, but he, he was, was crazy. He didn't do. I mean, he was almost non-existent in Tennessee. Nobody they didn't saw that. Yeah, Nobody no. saw that coming. No. Do we Backed think, up Jalen Hurd? Did yeah, he yeah. did. Before we hit JJ Watt quickly, let's talk about keep talking about <clears throat> draft running backs. Uh, will Najee Harris? Because Najee Harris, we think we all think he's gonna be the first running back yeah, off the board. Is he gonna go in the first round? Yes or no? No, I think he. You know, I could see a situation in which someone picks him up late in the first round just because. I have a team I'm thinking about. Really? I wonder if it's. I, I would say the Jets at 23. Oh. Okay, I was Because I think I it's New York. You want to make a splash pick. I, I think the Jets have, have, no have a lot backs. of needs in running back. I was thinking a different team that plays in New York, Buffalo. Yes. Devin oh, Sing- look, yeah, I, look I love Devin Singletary, Delray Beach native, American Heritage High School. <laughs> Great, great player. Your ESPN agrees with you. Well, that, okay, I, I did not see that in advance. <laughs> oh, I did. They yeah, took crazy. Zach Moss. Zach Moss with battled injuries this year. Good running back. Najee Harris is the difference maker. And I think that Buffalo offense could be so much better with him. I think that adds like a completely different element. Because he can catch passes. Agreed. I think a Buffalo offense, if they t- got Najee Harris, yeah, be, I would even trade off to possibly make sure they get no. him. I think that would be scary. Do you guys agree with that? That's Definitely. a great, yeah. Uh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, I mean... It's almost like the Chiefs situation with them, though, is do they want to run the ball? Like, like, but I, Buffalo, but they like, could use they, him in a pass game. They but can, they can go read option. They can go that's true. zone reads yeah, with, with him, Josh RPOs, because that's he, the difference between trying to tackle Devin Singletary, who's a great running back, and a guy like Najee Harris, who's an outstanding running back, is a major difference, it's a difference. That, in that offense. And he's one of the most complete running backs that we've seen come out in a long Agreed. time. Yep. And 
you know, if you're Buffalo, you could afford to make sort of an almost a luxury pick in that situation. Yep. Uh, we're going to hit our second and final break before we talk a little J.J. Watt, a little draft stuff. Start your Sunday, KCOU 88.1 FM. Saturday in Columbia is KCOU Sports Saturday. Tune in right here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia for all-day sports talk starting at 9 a.m. Cap off your Sports Saturday with coverage of Mizzou football from the student voice of the Missouri Tigers. Don't just Saturday, KCOU Sports Saturday. Fire threatens everything in its path. When it threatens our nation and our communities, we respond. We bring the fight to the front line. The Army National Guard stands ready to face the dangers of Mother Nature and protect our homes and our neighbors. We will always be there when your community needs us the most. Discover more about all the ways you can serve part-time in your community by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association at this station. KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, and KCOU.FM. What does your smile say about you? Are you happy, confident, friendly? Getting and keeping that smile takes work. Proper brushing and flossing daily and drinking fluoridated water. Fluoridated water has been in use for 75 years and is considered the most safe, equitable, and cost-effective way to prevent tooth decay. A healthy smile means a healthy person and a healthy community. For more information, visit health.mo.gov. A message from the Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. This is KCU 88.1. Start your Sunday. I'm Harrison Vapnik alongside Garrett Pave. Elliot Skilling's joining us as a guest today. It's been a fun show. We talked a lot of Super Bowl stuff, some NFL offseason. Now we're going to talk a little J.J. Watt. Cut from the Houston Texans this past week. He's been there for 10 seasons, 101 career sacks, I think 531 combined tackles, two interceptions. A lot of, a lot of success that J.J. Watt's had. Now he's going to be playing for a second team in his career. Garrett, I'll start with you. Give us some J.J. Watt fits. Alright, so where I think he'll go, I'll give you where I think and where I want. Honestly, where I think he'll go, this is, I know this is whatever, like, the most noticeable take. I think he'll land in Pittsburgh. I think with his brother, T.J., there's that natural connection. They've always said they love to play together at some point in their career. I think with J.J. Watt kind of uncertain of his injuries and kind of his health. I mean, he is – this is a guy who could be really one of the best defensive ends we've seen really in all time, but the injuries have just held him back so much. So that health is an issue going forward. So I think Pittsburgh makes the most sense because of his brother being there and he just likes it up there. Where I want is my hometown Titans. I, I know that well, they were one of the worst defenses this season. They were. Yeah, they yeah. Could use they going to the yeah. rival Titans? Well, they're saying that, you know, Tennessee, I think, is one of the four teams pursuing him the hardest. John Robinson is a general manager who knows what he's doing, and they know they need a pass rusher. I mean, Jadavion Clowney was a bust. Vic Beasley was a horrible signing. Mm-hmm. So they could use a guy like J.J. Watt. Will he, you know, turn his colors and go to another AFC South team? 
That's the question. But I do know that Vrabel and Watt have a really good connection. Both of them have very similar, you know, they had both similar play I, styles. I think about that. Yeah, they have similar play styles. They know each other well. They've had a lot of connections, playing, coaching, it's just all sorts of stuff. So, you know, I, I think he'll land in Pittsburgh, but I'd love to see him go to Tennessee where I think they could use a pass rusher like J.J. Watt, maybe against his former team. Elliot, let's hear from you. You just talked me into making the Titans my front runner. <laughs> yeah, that was – he, he I, convinced me also. Yeah, I, I – that makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe he won't want to go against Houston, but, I mean, yeah. I think at this point he's like, screw the Texans organization. Like, Agreed. the city of Houston, yeah, of course, but – I I think the Titans is the best fit. I mean, Pittsburgh, obviously, they'd be they're kind of in that contender phase. Grant, if they get everybody back healthy, your Bud Dupree, um, whoever else they were missing on that defense, because that really killed them at the end of the year. Um, so you get to play with two of your brothers and can contend for a Super Bowl, which I think is probably the win-win scenario for him. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a I don't think he'd go here, but he it could be out there. It's the Chicago Bears. Uh, his wife plays soccer in Chicago, um, which could be a could Didn't be a destination. That. The Bears um, they could use another guy on that defensive line. I don't know if they'd want to pay him any kind of money, and I don't know if he'd want to go there for football reasons because they were not going to contend, and they're not going to contend next year. So I, I think, yeah, I think the two front runners got to be the Titans and the Steelers at this point. Mm-hmm. I'm happy no one, nobody took mine. JJ Watt to the Packers. This makes sense. This makes <laughs> oh, all yeah, the Wisconsin. sense. Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. He's from boy. Wisconsin. He went to Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, the Packers have a need at defensive line. That was one of the big issues this season. Think about this. Reggie White, one of the all-time great NFL defensive linemen, signed with the Green Bay Packers at 32 years old. When next season starts, JJ Watt will be 32 years old. I think this makes all the sense. They need someone to put in there with Kenny Clark and the Smiths, Preston and. Zadarius. 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 Zadarius Smith has an end game point guard. Yeah, it's tough. I think it makes a lot of sense. Ball, I'm telling you, Baltimore also. Watch out. Guys like Calais oh, Campbell and Nick yeah. Ngakwe, these players like, like to go to Baltimore for some reason. I wouldn't be shocked if they clear some cap space in that defense and try to bring him in there. Uh, New England, I guess, is a long shot, but you could possibly see it just because J.J. Watt or Bill Belichick has said so many great things about J.J. Watt. Could be interesting one there. And do you think J.J. Watt's still going to be playing at a high level next season? Mm, I mean, I think, yeah, I know, honestly, I think he will. Uh, I think the Texans have, honestly, just like Deshaun Watson, have wasted some years in him. Um, I think when he fits, I don't think the Texans, you know, defensive game plan has always been there. Ain't that? They've always thought they've struggled defensively, and they've made up for it with a good offense from Deshaun Watson. I remember, I remember this year, you know, they're playing the Titans. A forty-six, it's like a forty-six to forty-one shootout. I mean, yep. it's just they're they're living and dying by Deshaun Watson making plays. So, I actually tend to think you put JJ Watt kind of a new place, you know, new environment. I think he'll thrive. Extra motivation. I, I think yeah. he'll thrive. I really Definitely. do. You agree? I agree with that. I think he's obviously not going to be the three-time defensive player of the year no. anymore. His he's there's too much wear and tear on his body. You talk about the Reggie White comparison. JJ Watt is probably five years older just based off the amount of injuries he's had. Yeah. Um, but. You know, I think he's he could definitely be a key contributor. You talk about the motivation, especially mm-hmm. playing on a winning team, new environment. I'm sure after what is it nine years in Houston, it kind of gets stale, <laughs> especially with an organization. I think they made the playoffs his rookie year and it kind of stagnated ever since then. Yep. That that must get kind of frustrating and kind of beat you down after a while. Mm-hmm. So I think you could definitely get a little motivation boost, um, and he could he could have a little bounce back year, kind of get back into the spotlight, one of the best defensive linemen in the game. Um, but 
you know, wherever he goes, he'll contribute just based on his his knowledge of the game and his leadership ability and um, just being a really good team guy. I think he's a guy any contender would love to have. Yep, did you want eight career playoff games? We're going to wrap it up with this final segment quickly. Elliot, 49ers fan, you are a betting man now. Who is the starting quarterback week one <laughs> oh, for the San goodness. Francisco 49ers next season? Jimmy Garoppolo. Really? Easy. It, it doesn't make – like, at this point, they didn't get Matt Stafford. That's the one guy I thought they realistically had a shot at. Deshaun Watson. Uh, there's a guy named Matt Mayoko who's one of the most respected sports journalists in the Bay Area who threw out a tweet saying, don't be surprised if the Niners would be interested in moving, like, a key guy, a Kittle Bosa Warner for uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, and he made a similar kind of tweet before DeForest Buckner was traded. So I might watch out for that. Mm-hmm. But it just does not make any sense for the Texans to take a deal from the Niners. Um, because the draft, I mean, Nick Bosa isn't changing the Texans organization overnight. No, uh, they that'd might be a good do replay, it. That'd be a good transition from JJ Watt to Nick Bosa. It I'll would be that. a good transition, but it, it, it's not going to change their outlook. Um, I mean, if I were deniers, I would do it. I know a lot of Niners fans have these attachments to the, the players on the team, obviously, but I'm taking a franchise quarterback over a really good defensive end any day of the week, but it's got to be Jimmy Garoppolo that he's, they, they've said it and they've said he's their guy. And the more this offseason goes on, the more I believe it. Um, it. It just there's no way they get Deshaun Watson at this point. It seems it seems too far fetched. Yep. And that is the show. Thank you for starting your Sunday with us. Enjoy your first Sunday without football. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody. We will see you next Sunday. Different guests, not sure who yet, but we'll be talking draft, NFL offseason, and so much stuff. I'm Harrison Vapnik. That's Garrett Pave, Elliot Skillings. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for starting your Sunday with us, and we will see you next time on KCOU 88.1. Start your Sunday.